Do you miss me, Keith? Do you miss not being around me? This isn't the third grade anymore. She doesn't love you. It's a joke. It's all a joke. How do you know? I'd bet my hands on it. You don't want to make that bet. Yeah, I do. I've been thinking a lot lately about you and me. And I came to a conclusion that I didn't want to deal with. But now that we talked, I can't hide it anymore. I think we'd get along much better if we didn't spend so much time together anymore. Why? Because I'm driving you crazy. And you're driving me crazy. And I'd rather not see you and have you think good things about me than have you see me and hate me. Because I can't afford to have you hate me, Keith. The only things I care about in this damn life are me and my drums and you. It's a joke. She's only going out with you so she can get you to Hardy Jen's house so he can mess you up. The money's going back in the bank and that's final. Look, you're not listening to me. I don't have the money. I can't get it back. Look, you had no right touching that money. I had every right. I earned it. Where's the money, Keith? Dad, calm down. Listen to me. The money is not important here. It's... You don't know what's important. You don't know what the hell you're talking about. You know what the hell I'm talking about. You just never listen to me. You only hear what you want. Will you listen to me for once? I'm listening. I'm not going to go to college. The money is gone. You can't get it back. It's over. This whole dream is not what I wanted. It's what you wanted. I never wanted it. I just didn't have the guts to tell you. Oh, you're only 18 years old, for Christ's sake. Then I'm 19. Then I'm 20. When does my life belong to me? Dad, listen. I'm going out with a girl tonight, and she's beautiful, and everybody's in love with her, and she's going out with me. Get it? See, in the eyes of most people around here, I'm nothing. And so I don't start agreeing with them. I'm going to go through with this date. I just, I want to show this girl that I'm as good as anybody else. So what, are you going to impress her with money? Think that's the solution, Keith? Dad, didn't you ever have guys at your school that didn't fit in? Yeah, of course. Well, I'm one of those guys. Break his heart and break your face. I'm here to wipe the floor with your ass, and you know it, and everybody knows it, and you deserve it. And I think it's safe to say that this party is about to become a historical fact welcome to sweep delay podcast this is your host with the most mike mac masunas how's everybody doing today and with me of course mr jameson america's co-host how are you sir i'm doing well mike good to hear from you i just talked to you yesterday hey <laughs> that you did yeah face, to face yes we got to hang out yesterday sir it was good times man yeah that was good man that was that was fun getting to hang out a little bit we, it was a pretty interesting story, huh? It's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the look on your face was interesting. Yeah. So so basically, uh, the kids started school today. So as you guys know, I was supposed to hang out with Jameson a little while ago on my vacation, but a lot of drama stuff happened, so I wasn't able to go. And I was like, dude, I texted him like a few days ago. I was like, hey, I'm going to be in your neck of the woods on Monday. Because my family's going up there as like a kid thing before school starts. And you're like, oh, okay. So I was like, what's the chances of me seeing you? And you're like 50 50. Because I have a whole bunch of stuff I was going to give you, save me on postage and stuff. So then I tell you I'm there at the zoo. And you're like, sweet. That was it. I didn't hear from you. <laughs> and then like, here comes this dude walking down. I'm like, all right, that might be Jameson. I don't know. And then he gives me the smirk. I was like, ah, there he is. Uh-huh. 
I have a distinctive swagger. You should know when you see me. <laughs> so what were you thinking there, sir? You were just going to stalk me or what? What's the deal? Yeah, I'm like, dude, the zoo ain't that big. I know that zoo. There's only so many places you could go. I'm just going to find them. So uh, did you find me when I found you or did you like see me and then you saw me turn around? No, man, I heard your voice. And that's how I knew I was walking and I had one of I could go left or right. And then I heard a familiar voice off to the left. I'm like, oh, that's got to be him. Really? I, yeah. didn't, I didn't think I was saying anything. Yeah, you said something because I looked over at this crowd and it wasn't like the zoo was packed yesterday. So. It's true. It's true. I, I see this scrawny punk over there <laughs> looking to start trouble. <laughs> it was cool. Well, thanks for the uh, posters, brothers. All good in the hood, man. Yeah, that was fun. Yeah, even though, you know, one of them was a repeat of something I got before. It was all good. So these... Yeah, but mine was purchased first. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Jameson Jason. hooked me up with the Crowded Kid poster on the 100th episode. And I said, dude, I don't have the 100, you know, I don't have the Crowded Kid poster. And he hooked me up. So, yeah, it was all good. And then I got another Crowded Kid poster. So is this one yours or did you order this one too? Uh, I ordered that one. I have that one, but uh, yeah, you weren't gonna get it. So yeah, did you? <laughs> it uh, that sweep the leg shirt that I wear. There was a little tiny sticker that came in with that poster, uh-huh. and, I, and I was like, "How weird is it that this little sticker came in that looks just like my shirt with the Karate Kid poster you ordered?" It was so yeah. cool. So good time. So uh, we're back, sir. Talking some kind of wonderful today, man. Yeah. I'm excited. <laughs> I'm excited too. I'm interested to hear your thoughts, man. But uh, before we do that, should we roll into some movie music news, sir? Of course. All right, let's do it. Swing like the clay one day. I'ma make the whole world pay with KOs and OK. We bash class and dot dash. You got that right. I'ma rock the Morse code tonight. Transmitting for a fist and paparazzi like this. Get flipped out, squeeze fresh like juicy sun kiss. And if I miss with my missiles, you're still gonna sizzle. Cause I fizzle fry radiation style worldwide. So uh, the last time we talked, sir, we were kind of talking some Expendables 3. We had some Lisa the Legend with us. And uh, they have posted the official cast list and storyline. So have you seen this cast list, sir? The official uh, you know, story, cast, all that good stuff. I have. All right. So we have in this movie, of course, we have Sly. We have Jason Statham, of course, filming Fast and Furious 7 at the same time. Jet Li. Dolph Lundgren, Randy uh, Coulter is back. How do you say? Couture. Couture, that's what it is. Uh, Terry Crews, Arnold Schwarzenegger, of course. And then we have the new additions, thank God, of uh, Wesley Snipes, fresh out of prison and ready to do some Demolition Man 2 with with (laughs) Sylvester Stallone. And we got Mel Gibson as our bad guy, Antonio Banderas, Harrison Ford. All right, now who's this Kellen Lutz? I'm not sure. Okay. Well, uh, Robert Davey, I know this guy. This guy's always a scum. He was a scumbag, diehard cop that wanted to blow everybody up on the roof. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Ronda Rousey. This girl's MMA fighter, if I remember right. Ronda Rousey, yeah. Rousey. She, is the, she is the UFC women's champion. 
Excellent. And then we have Victor Ortiz and Glenn Powell. So who are those two? Uh, Victor Ortiz is also a fighter, and I'm not sure who the last one is. Okay. And then, uh, let's see, absent from the cast list were Jackie Chan, Mickey Rourke, Nicolas Cage, and Mila Jolovich. Right. Wow. Okay, I'm disappointed about... And Carl Weathers, I might add. Oh, yeah. I'm disappointed about Mila Jolovich. I really wanted to see her in here. Nicolas Cage, I'm happy with. Uh, Mickey Rourke, it would have been cool to have him back. And Jackie Chan, I thought he was the first one signed on. He never signed, man. He was rumored. Never signed. Uh, just like Snipes, he was rumored, along with Cage and Jovich, they were all the first rumors, but, uh, you know, rumors swirl in Hollywood, but contracts have to be signed, so. I'm disappointed that Mila Jovich isn't it, because I, you're going to have a female, they decide to go with Ronda Rousey, who isn't an actress at all. You know, she's a fighter, and, and uh, I mean, I'm assuming that with no acting experience, that she'll give a kind of a performance like Gina Carano did in Haywire. That wasn't a great acting experience. I would look if you're looking for a female action star, Mila Jovovich is it. Exactly. You know, put her in with the boys. Yeah. I thought it would have really raised the stakes, honestly, in my yeah, opinion. Yeah, I do too. Um, so, evidently, the synopsis at this point is we have Barney, Christmas, and the rest of the team come face to face with Conrad Stonebanks, who's Mel Gibson, who years ago co founded The Expendables with Barney. Stonebanks subsequently became a ruthless arm trader and someone who Barney was forced to kill, or so he thought. So Mel Gibson comes back, uh, you know, basically to on a mission to end the Expendables, and that's kind of what we're gonna be dealing with. So yeah. Expendables versus Mel Gibson, good times. So yeah, man, I'm excited, man. I think it'll be uh, be fun. That's out next year, folks. So we got uh, Fast Six, Transformers Four, Expendables Three. Wait, Fast no, Seven. Fast Seven. What did I say? Six. Fast Six. Oh my gosh. All right. Fast Seven. I, see, I have Fast Six on the head because you know it's coming out on DVD soon. So here, here's our summer releases, sir. We have Twenty Two Jump Street. Mm-hmm. We have Amazing Spider-Man Two. Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, mm-hmm. Edge of Tomorrow, which I don't know what that is. Do you know that one? No, I haven't looked. Okay, Expendables 3, Fast and Furious 7, Fifty Shades of Grey, so Three. it's going to be a porno flick. Uh, Godzilla, the good, yeah. di- the, go- the good Dinosaur, Guardians of the Galaxy, Hercules, which is the Rocks movie, uh-huh. How to Train Your Dragon 2, Jupiter Ascending... Sin City, A Dame to Kill For, Ninja Turtles, Transformers 4, and X-Men Days of Future Past. Dude, man, this is a pretty cool list. All right. Yeah, man, I hope it's good because I remember looking last summer at this summer's list going, dude, that's going to be awesome. You know, one it, of, it has not been. Oh, dude, one of the things me and you talked about hanging out was how just crappy this year is, man. This is the first year I'm going to be doing a top 10 worst list because I'm so disappointed in the movies this year, sir. Yeah, that's kind of been the thing. I don't, I don't think it's been a, a summer of bad movies. It's just been a summer of disappointing movies. Yeah, movies that you were hoping would be good. It's just a lot of three star movies. Exactly. You know, and it, it's like okay. And even when I try and go in with low expectations, it's just like man, this summer is just disappointment after disappointment. Exactly. I mean, I'm the same way with you. Three stars. You know, like uh, every movie's been cool. You know. Bullets in the Head wasn't better than The Last Stand, but both movies were definitely, 
you know, I think I gave Last Stand three and a half stars just because it was way better than I thought. But, you know, I walked out of uh, so many movies this year. It was just like, it was good. But nothing like, you know, I mean, yeah, I, I rated it on Man of Steel, but that has problems. You yeah, know? that's the thing is, I mean, you know, it seems like every review I do lately has been like, hey, it was all right. You know, here's what's wrong with it. It wasn't terrible. It wasn't great. I feel like I'm giving the same review over and over, but it's just how I feel about all these movies lately. It's true. What uh, movie did you see after we got done, sir? Oh, I didn't. Uh, I couldn't find anything to see. <laughs> <laughs> it's really, it was like, do I want to go see The Butler? Not especially. Not right now. So, dude, did I tell you, man, that because uh, we were hanging out and, okay, so me and Jameson were hanging out, right? We're, you know, this is with my family. We have my wife, my kids, and her two sisters, and uh, just a bunch of nieces and nephews, and we're all walking, and this photographer comes up to us, <laughs> and he's like, hey, I'd like to uh, take your picture and interview you, and who were they going to interview, sir? They were going to interview my sister-in-law, and then right. once we said that uh, we're not from Wisconsin, and they found out you were, you got to be in the paper, sir. What's up with that? You know what? I deal with that all the time. It's called paparazzi, and... Uh, <laughs> You know, shutter bugs are all around, cameras, microphones in my face at all times. It's it's a, it's a rough life to live. I gave him what he wanted, you know. And, uh, of course, front page of the paper, I'm sure, with my little interview. So, no, it's, yeah, that was, <laughs> that was weird. You got asked about the roads and you, yeah, sp- you speeding or something, right? Yeah, I asked about raising the speed limits in this state. And I'm all for it, apparently, so. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's all good. Yeah. Faster is always better right. in everything. And then after you left, dude, we were we were over by the picnic area. Well, we were by the water and all the kids were sitting on a tree and this photographer comes over and he wants to take pictures, but you know, I'm giving this information. I'm like, well, dude, we're from Illinois. Because I figure if I tell him we're from Illinois, that'll definitely get, you know, because my sister-in-law's were mad at me. Like, well, why'd you tell them that? Now they won't put us in the paper. I said, well, think about it. We're traveling to their zoo because it's so cool on our last day of freedom. Why would you not put that in the paper? That tells you how good your zoo is if people are traveling from a different state. You know what I mean? So I thought it was actually perfect, dude. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. I mean... I know it's going to be in the paper. Like, I'm not. Even, I'm not going to say what I was going to say. Yeah, well, <laughs> I hope. Stupid, so. stupid Illinois people coming to our state. Right, right. <laughs> I hope it's in the paper. You got to hook me up, man. So. Oh yeah. And I have no idea what this has to do with movie news, but we're gonna kind of, you know, I mean, dude, the last time we recorded, we were so off the rails. It's all good. So mm-hmm. it's fun. But uh, other movie news, sir. All right, I saw this crazy picture, man. And this was a picture of Professor X with long hair looking like the crow yeah. sitting with Wolverine and Beast with no, like, Beast makeup. This is uh-huh. crazy. So, obviously, it's from the upcoming movie uh, Days of Future Past. So, what do you make of this picture? Have you seen this, sir? I did. I saw that picture this morning, and uh, I, have no idea what, <laughs> I have no idea where that's fitting in. Yeah. Who knows, man? I, I, how many dimensions are we going to be dealing with? I have no idea. I know. It's like, you know, one of our boys on the STL board, I think it was Andrew, started up. Okay, what's the deal with the X-Men? There's a lot of continuity issues. It's like, yes, I mean, clearly these people don't care about that stuff. And hopefully this movie, you know, they're going to fix some of that stuff with time travel, man. But, I mean, let's think about it. Outside of the wheelchair, what other time things do they have to fix? 
Um, I don't know. It all depends on what they what they start off with. I mean, everyone's complaining about the. Uh, I've heard all these complaints about the continuity and everything with the the uh, teaser after the Wolverine, and uh, you know, oh, well, why is why is Professor X walking and and how is this going to work? And uh, I don't know. I, I don't read too much into it. Spoiler alert. Oh, there you go. <laughs> um, I, don't, I don't know. I don't read too much into it. Give me a good movie. That's all I care. I'm not huge. I, I like. I don't follow this universe as far as the uh, Days of Future Past universe. I know Jason was trying to explain it to me one day and kind of talked me into a circle. But, um, you know, as long as they give me something good, I, I, I don't care if there's holes. Really. Right, right, right. So... Um... I guess with the Guardians of the Galaxy, you know, the the movie uh-huh. that me and you just can't wait for. It's going to be phenomenal. Uh-huh. Um, so, Mr. Vin Diesel, our boy, uh, you know, Mr. Uh, you know, Riddick and what's Dom. His? Dom, there you go. So, he's going to be a voice. I think that works, man. I like his voice. It's all good in the hood, man. So I love his voice, man. One of my favorite things with him is Iron Giant. That was like the first thing I was ever exposed to with him. Yeah. He's got a great voice for it. And so the character he's supposed to be voicing, this guy looks like a tree. What is this character, dude? Dude, you're talking to the wrong guy. All right, man. I, I was yeah. just wondering if you had any insights. I have no clue, man. I know. The Guardians of the Galaxy, I have zero clue about what it is. And, and from talking to different people who are uh, much bigger into that than I am, they're like not all excited either. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. I have no idea what I'm getting into with that interesting yeah you come here for your news yeah (laughs) and uh okay so i read this article today uh it was it was posted just recently and it's nolan's pick for the batman reboot who he would decide if you know who should be the new batman so i don't know if you've seen this article no i didn't see that all right so it goes like this according to quote-unquote internet sources christopher nolan has recommended american actor wes bentley to play Batman in the Man of Steel uh, sequel, dude, I, I hate like, I, I hate Wes like Bentley, man. Yeah, this, that's not good. I'm sorry. This guy is a tip. This guy reminds me of a guy that would be on SVU for little children. <laughs> I hate to say it. Yeah, I, I just I don't like him. I don't really like him in anything that he's done, really. Yeah, American Beauty, Hunger Games. Uh, I don't know, man. No, uh, I'll pass on that. I hope it's somebody, pretty much anyone else that we spoke about last episode, I'd be cool with. Yeah, I, I hear you. This is one dude I'm like, ah, oh, sorry, man. That is a bad idea, man. Yeah, I don't like that. I am not down with that. Thumbs down. Thumbs down here. So, <laughs> And uh, the last thing, dude, is uh, I guess there was this big actor, uh, Lee Thompson, that died. He was a Smallville actor which i guess technically this would be ccp news but i guess evidently this guy was uh in a bunch of shows rizzoli and uh Isles was in a nice sh- job i know right see what it does the speech classes work very well yeah, and uh i guess he was in uh uh judd jackson a disney yep. show and so i guess it was he was 29 years old man and uh, yeah it took his life that's it's unfortunate he was cyborg in smallville so uh, I, I guess if you didn't know that, uh, this has kind of been big news, evidently, I guess, you know? Yeah, which has kind of surprised me. I've been seeing it everywhere, and uh, I, I never knew the guy's name up until that. Unfortunately, you know, I'd seen him in Rizzoli and Isles and, and Jet Jackson and things. And, but, yeah, I knew the face, but 
yeah, I didn't expect it to be that big, but it's it's unfortunate. Yeah. Um, you know, speaking of TV news, kind of going on a lighter subject, me and you, when we were hanging out, we were talking about, I'm like, hey, you getting your cable back soon? You're like, yeah, soon I'm getting, you know, but the show that me and the kids are digging is kicking it. And, yeah. And uh, it, I love that show, man. But we were talking about the dude from uh, Hannah, Montana. He's the same age as you, sir. He is. He is the exact age as me. And, uh, yeah, we're watching Kicking It because, you know, me and my boys have just been tearing through that on Netflix watching. Just It's, it's fun. And, uh, yeah, I'm like, I'm looking at, you know, the sensei from Bobby Wasabi going, I know that guy from somewhere. Yeah, I've, I've seen him stuff. And then I, you know, realize, oh, he's Jackson and Hannah Montana. I've seen him in some other Disney shows or whatever. And I look at his IMDb page. I'm like, holy cow, that guy is my age. And he plays like teenagers. <laughs> <laughs> There's no way. But dude, he looks just like a teenager though, man. He does. I'm telling you. Oh, good times, man. I really enjoy that uh that show, man. It's really fun, man. I really dig it. Yeah, it good is. Stuff. So, uh in regards to music news, all right. Um the Underground Hour, I meant to get uh, a new episode out to you guys, but I just haven't had the time, you know, with my kids sick and school starting and all this stuff. But there's uh, one new tune that uh, just came out, and uh, it's already killing, man, on the charts. It's Katy Perry's Roar. Have you heard this song, sir? No, I haven't. Okay, so uh, you, sir, and Katy Perry, what's your history? Are you a fan? I mean, she really, you have to admit, has some really great radio-friendly tunes. Hey. I like Katy Perry, man. Excellent. It might not be cool, but I like Katy Perry. Hey, man, I think she is the universal girl. Like, you know, because if a guy was to say, oh, you know, I like Britney Spears, he could get made fun of. But if a guy says, I like Katy Perry, it's cool. It's cool to like Katy Perry because she's good. You know, she's Hey, got... I like Britney Spears. Well, they, hey, she's my guilty pleasure. Britney <laughs> Spears, Christina, they are, they're all awesome. But her new song, uh, Roar. Uh, just came out and uh, it's already done 525,000 downloads in its first week on iTunes. Nice. Uh, this was actually uh, when I got I heard this song. I was like, okay, I got to do an underground hour and I got to showcase this song. So obviously, you know, spoiler alert: this song is going to be in the upcoming episode. Uh, you'll just have to find out where it places, but it's excellent. What I really dig is the music video uh, because. You know how what I really kind of like nowadays that music videos have done, they do the lyric videos, which is a lot cheaper than actually having the band sit there and do all these, you know, it costs millions of dollars to do these videos. You just have people create these videos with lyrics on the screen with all these cool graphics and stuff. You know what I'm talking about, right? I sure do. So Roar, what Katy Perry does is she's essentially on her iPhone and she does all the little pictures. You know, like the smiley faces and stuff, and she does the whole song with those with those icons throughout the whole video. It's one of the coolest music videos I've ever seen before, dude. Huh? So I highly recommend that you, sir, check it out along with uh, anybody else out there because it's will a do. super fun music video. I really dig it a lot. So, uh, but that will definitely be on the next upcoming. Uh, if not this, you know, I don't know. I guess it depends when I want to record Underground Hour. Maybe it's coming with this episode. I guess you'll find out. So, <laughs> so good times, sir. I, I hope you're caught up, sir. Totally. <laughs> yeah, right. You're lying to me, aren't you? <laughs> you're like, no, dude, I'm behind, man. <laughs> yeah. At, at least you're you're at least past the guilty pleasures episode. Yeah, I'm I'm efforting, man. I'm trying. I just it, once you once you miss like a week of podcast you know there's a week where i couldn't listen to them yeah it's just they just log jam (laughs) so many you you like the new segment sir songs you can't live without of course excellent good because as twana pointed out she's like 
you know, I really think that the songs you can't live without became your classic tunes because at the end of the episode, I always play a song that's considered classic. And then uh, she's like, and the song you played at the end really wasn't a classic, but I love it because I love that song. I said, you know what? You're right. I think for the songs that are, you know, songs you can't live without, those are where the classics are going to go, of course, because, you know, those are songs you can't live without. And then at the very end of the episode, I'm going to play the Missoonist Jam, you know, songs that I, that I love. Could be songs I played prior you know, I think that's how we're going to do it, sir. It'll be a good time. So. Sounds good. We got to get you on an episode, man. We got to do like a top 10 list, sir. We'll pick a band. I'll do a top 10. You do your top 10. I think it'll be fun, man. We should do an underground hour together, sir. I'm always available. Excellent. That's what I want to hear, sir. So uh, are you ready <laughs> to uh, end this, sir, and roll into our review? Let's do it. All right. Let's talk about some kind of wonderful... She's beautiful and obviously in the middle of some emotional shootout to consent to date the human tater tot. This is 1987. Did you know that a girl can be whatever she wants to be? I know, my mom's a plumber. I'd recommend you keep your eyes and your mind off my property. Cut it out. Why don't you mind your own business? Really, it must be a drag to be a slave to the male sex drive. I didn't say anything about sex. Oh, we'll start a book club with her. Anytime somebody from the outside lifts a woman from a guat like Jen's, man, we could all find cause to rejoice. You walk out on me, where are you gonna go? I want to show this girl that I'm as good as anybody else. I know how you feel. You've been in love before. There's a lot of things you don't know about me. He got a shot to be the first guy in his family who didn't have to wash his hands after a day's work. Break his heart and break your face. Do you miss me, Keith? Do you miss not being around me? This isn't the third grade anymore. Are oh, you only 18 years old? Then I'm 19, then I'm 20. When does my life belong to me?
All right, sir. So, some kind of wonderful. Uh, of course, this is another movie into our series of chick flicks for guys. And we got a lot of emails, sir. Some of them about this movie and some are just overall. And uh, our, our female uh, nation people are loving this series, sir, of course. The chick flicks for guys. So, Tawana, Lisa the Legend, they're loving this series. So... I'm excited that we get to add another one, and evidently this is kind of a fan favorite, sir. I'm kind of happy that we're going to be talking about some kind of wonderful today, sir. Cool. So, uh, all right, sir. Why don't we kind of give just a brief, uh, you know, it's been a while. You know, this movie is kind of hard to find. This is a John Hughes, uh, you know, film that was written and produced by him. He didn't direct it. It was uh, directed by Howard Dutch, but... Uh, this is kind of a movie that either you've seen it or you've missed it. This is kind of one of those low-key John Hughes films. Wouldn't you agree, sir? Yeah, definitely. This is one of those, uh, you know, it's not as big as Ferris or Breakfast Club. It was just kind of, a, it, to be honest with you, it's almost one of his more simple movies. And it seemed that there's a group of people that have seen this movie, and then there's another group of people who are like, what movie is that? And then when you tell them it's a John Hughes film, you're like, oh, really? How did I miss that? So here's a little refresher for you guys. Uh, we have Eric Stoltz, who is our main guy of this movie. His name is Keith. Uh, last name's Nelson, but really you only hear him, you know, first name Keith. So Keith is essentially, uh, you know, he's a working class kid. He's a mechanic. Uh, he has a best friend who's a tomboy. Uh, her name's Watts, played by Mary Stewart Matherson. Now, Keith is basically, uh, I guess you could say, love at first sight or just head over heels with good old Leah Thompson, who's uh, Amanda Jones. Now, Amanda Jones is the most popular girl in school, and, you know, he essentially wants to, you know, he wants to get basically dater, if you will. Yeah, he wants to break out of his mold and go after the hot chicken school yeah now when watts uh mary stewart matherson when she you know realizes that she kind of has feelings that runs pretty deep for keith you know that's kind of the kind of the sub story that you get in this film now we have hardy who is played by craig schaefer he is oh dude we got to talk about this guy's douchebag in this uh, <laughs> when we get there sir but this guy is essentially the boyfriend of leah thompson's character he's this big rich guy and, uh, you know, he's got this Corvette and he basically causes trouble for Keith. You know, he knows that Keith has feelings for Amanda and he's not down with that. He basically feels humiliated uh, and just kind of wants to, you know, take him down. And she eventually breaks up with him and then, she, then he wants to kind of take them both down, if you will. And then we have this really cool character, which I can't wait to talk about, named Duncan, which is mm -hmm. played by... Uh, Elis Cotis. <laughs> Elias Coteus. Oh, thank you, sir. See, dude, I've never been able to say this guy's name, man. So thank you. <laughs> I like him. He's cool. AKA Casey Jones for all you Ninja Turtles fans. Uh, he kind of becomes the uh, the the friend of uh, Keith that we're gonna need. And there's this big party at the end, as you know. John Hughes films gotta have a good old party. Of course. And uh, you know, they're out on a date, Keith and Amanda, and they're going to go to this party. And there's a lot of story we're going to talk about, but essentially you get to the end and he realizes he's been in love with his best friend this whole time. He really doesn't want Amanda Jones and she's happy being single. He goes to track her down and, you know, Watts and Keith end happily ever after. And that's the movie basically. So would you consider that the movie in a nutshell, sir? 
That's a good synopsis. All right, so let's talk about uh, let's talk about our characters, sir, because there's a lot of them, and they're definitely going to tell our story here. So we have Keith, sir, which is played by Eric Stoltz. Now, before you start talking about Eric Stoltz, because I kind of know your feelings, <laughs> I want to say this about Eric Stoltz. There's two movies that I love this guy in. Uh, the first one is my favorite, which is Mask, which mm-hmm. is a movie uh, based on a true story where he played a disfigured guy. Uh, Rocky Dennis, Cher, was in the movie. It's a very hardcore flick. Uh, it's a, man, it's one of my favorite dramas of all time. He was absolutely phenomenal in that movie. My second favorite movie is this one. After that, he's okay. He was in Pulp Fiction. You know, he's not, you know, I totally see why he was fired from Back to the Future. Uh, but for me, in this movie, he's definitely Keith and he works for me, sir. So what's your history of Eric Stoltz? Let's talk about him, sir. Yeah, actually, it's pretty similar to yours. Um, I like him in Mask. This one, I honestly, I did not remember this movie, but maybe four or five small snippets of this movie that I remembered. So it was like going in fresh. Um, and I liked him in this. It was good in this, but really his career... I, for me, is really forgettable. I, I just I don't think he's anything special as far as an actor. You know, he's a role player. Um, so yeah, I, I kind of agree with where you're at with those two movies. Yeah, uh, for this movie, he works though, right? Yeah, as our main guy. Okay. Uh, now Mary Stewart Matherson, uh, who plays Watts, who's a tomboy. I've never been a big fan of hers, dude. Really. I- I'm serious. I have tried, you know, I, the chances are movie with Robert Downey Jr. You know, she was in that movie, uh, you know, because I, this was the first movie I seen her in. I, and I really enjoyed her in this movie. I would watch her in other movies and I just wasn't feeling her, man. And I was like, how is it? I only like her in this movie. I don't know what it is. I don't hate her. I don't dislike her, but this is the only role that she has ever worked for me in. Wow. See, I really dig Mary Stewart Masterson. I think, I think she's cool. I really love her in this movie. Really. I think she's awesome as Watts. Um, but, I mean, I I love her in Benny and June. I think she's great in that. I think just her quirkiness really makes that role. Uh, as bad of a movie as it is, I really like her in Better Roses. I don't know if I should be saying that or not. <laughs> um, and, really, she and Drew Barrymore are the only two uh, in the whole cast of Bad Girls that I really like that made that movie a – well, that's a guilty pleasure, yeah, too. Yeah, good point. Bad Girls, man. I forgot about that movie. Yeah, that's going on my list. Uh, all, right. <laughs> all right. Awesome. All right. Um, Betty and June, I'll give her a three-star performance in that film. Chances are, like, a one-star. Uh, but Bad Girls, man, oh, three and a half, four stars, man. She was pretty <laughs> She was pretty awesome. So now you brought up Bad Girls, it's like, okay, the memory's flowing here. I'm starting to remember. It's cool. But... Chances are is really the movie that I was just like, ugh, you know, I really hate that movie, dude. Uh huh. Chan- you know what movie I'm talking about, right? I do. Yeah. I, I hate that movie, dude. <laughs> it's a, it's and, a lot of emotion for that movie. And it's not no House Party <laughs> two hate. I mean, House Party two gets its own hate. I mean, that's the full blown hate. I'd rather you know pee all over that movie hate. You know, chances are just like, oh, I can't stand that movie. Let's move on. But House Party two and H two. Uh, you know, you know where I stand with those films, sir. <laughs> yes, I do. And House Party Four with white kids. Go rent it, people. Yeah, go check it out. Somebody has to. <laughs> yeah, just kidding. Report back. There really is a House Party Four with white kids, but I'm never gonna watch it. 
Um, okay, so let's talk about Leah Thompson. Now, Leah Thompson, big fan, love Leah Thompson. She still looks gorgeous to this day, dude, especially after that picture that Peter, the time traveler, posted with, uh, you know, the Back to the Future comparisons of how they looked in the movie compared to now with their makeup. But uh, she's all right in this movie, man. She's nothing special for me in this flick. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm not a big fan of Leah Thompson. Never ah, have been. Nice. Never have been. Just she doesn't do anything for me. I don't think she's especially attractive. I don't oh. think she ever. That's true. I, I I don't think she brings anything special to any of the roles. I love her in in the Back to the Future franchise, really. But what does she really have to do in most of that? You know, um, do the same scene over in different yeah, costumes. Basically, right? You know, I mean, I I don't not like her, but I just I've never been a fan of hers. And uh, she was all right in this movie, but it really could have been a number of actresses. From that time period, you know, I mean, and it would have been the same for me. Fair enough. All right. So Craig Schaefer as Hardy. Oh, man. All right. Let's do our douchebag scale, sir, of scale of, <laughs> one, of scale of one to ten. Now, me and you, sir, we've talked a lot of douchebags on this show, sir. Yeah. So, I mean. He's similar. You know, as I'm watching this, it was, it was kind of the same sentiments that I had when, uh, uh, with just one of the guys, with the uh, the college boyfriend in that. You know, oh, the, the rich... I was going to say, don't you dare. The friend, <laughs> know. Of, the friend of the podcast, don't you dare compare him to this guy. But... Right. No, you know what I'm talking about, though, right? Yeah, the, yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Driving the Corvette, you know, just kind of the same character almost. Terry, you cut your hair. Why? <laughs> yes. Yep. Uh, yeah, this guy is just a knob all the way. Oh man. Um I mean obviously he's supposed to be a you right. know the main bad guy but uh man this guy is just such a douchebag man. <laughs> uh I'm going with an 11 dude on a 1 to 10 scale sir. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I like the actor though. I like Craig Sheffer. Like I liked him in the program a lot. Yeah, uh, he I no don't get me wrong. Good actor. I like his films that I've seen him in. I just I he does a great job, obviously, if I hate him in this movie. I hate his character. I don't hate him. So performance-wise, top-notch. He, he was excellent, especially, like, you know, when uh, the scene where Amanda Jones comes out of the school and he's sitting mm-hmm. at his car and he just kisses her with his two fingers. Yep. You know, it's just, like, that's just, <laughs> like, pure, like, oh. You just want to, yeah, you just you want that guy to get some comeuppance yeah. immediately. Like, oh, I hope this guy pays at the end. Yeah. Um, my, uh, before we talk about my favorite character, Elias, let's talk about Mr. Beverly Hills cop, Mr. <laughs> John Ashton. Yeah. Did you forget he was in this movie? Sir? Oh no. Oh I, yeah. I forgot he was in this movie. As soon as he, as soon as I heard the voice, I'm like, Oh yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, dude, two, two thumbs up, man. Yeah. I, oh, I he's, mean, he's great in this he, role as the dad. He walk people walk circles around. I mean, he walks circles around everybody in this movie, dude. He's in it for what three scenes, and his acting skills are like top notch. I love 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 the scene between uh, he and Eric Stoltz. You know, in the third act of the movie, when he finds out the money's missing and all that. Yes. They, you know, and he's expecting this this firestorm of emotion from his dad, and the just the 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 dialogue between the two of them, and just 
I thought that was a really, really effective scene. He was great in that. Yes, that is my, uh, I that is the best scene of the whole entire film. It's not my favorite. It's the best scene, hands down, in the movie. It's the scene when I think of some kind of wonderful. That's the first scene to pop in my head. Is that father and son confrontation, and you know, just the. It's- it's dad, the scene where the father finally realizes that, you know, he's not a little kid anymore. Yeah, Dad, I'm a loser. Well, why didn't you tell me? Dad, you can't understand this, you know? You're going to impress her with money? You think money's the answer? No, but you know what? It's the door I need to get the confidence I need in myself, you know? And yep. it, it's that's my that's the best scene of the whole film. And I'm going to be honest, man. Out of, you know, I, in previous uh episodes i have said that this was my favorite john hughes film i'm going to take it back this is not my favorite john hughes film um i will tell you guys what that is in a little bit but this movie is still great it's just this in my opinion i think this is the simplest john hughes film a lot of the other movies have a lot of meat to them uh there's a lot of depth this one feels the most simple yeah uh with without getting too much into it this is um, kind of watching this with fresh eyes. Uh, well, let's get into it, man. I mean, let's. All right. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree with you that it is simple. It, you know, this the script. Unfortunately, as much as I love John Hughes, the script felt like a movie that I'd seen a few different times. Uh, there weren't a lot of surprises, uh, you know. And like I say, I don't remember a whole lot about this movie, but it's like, oh yeah, this is kind of the same as that, or it's the kind of same as that, and. Um, that, w- that was actually surprising to me. Well, all right, let's be honest. This came out in 87, all right? Yep. So this is probably, I'm not going to say it's the first, you know, boy falls in love with his best friend, whatever story. I think what my issue is, is that the dialogue that Hughes writes is so great. This one, it just seems like he, he wrote it in a day kind of thing. It's just, yeah. you, you know, story-wise, the story is great. It's simple. I love the characters. It's just dialogue-wise, the dialogue isn't bad. But when it comes to John Hughes standards, you know, like, I don't know. It, there's just a standard that he has when it comes to dialogue. You well, because know? that's what made his movie so great was, excuse me, the dialogue of these teenagers, you know, that this guy, for some reason, got how teenagers talked in that time and just was able to write it. I mean, that's what makes movies like 16 Candles and The Breakfast Club so great is a dialogue. You quote it. You know, there's not a lot of action in his movies per se. You know, there's not stuff blowing up or anything like that. It's all about emotion, real emotion, real dialogue. And I thought like this one, especially Leah Thompson's character was just like, there was nothing to it. You know, there was nothing to what she had to say. It was like, oh, it's like you took it out of a script book, like what what this girl would say, you know, and that was that was really surprising to me. All right. Um, let's kind of go through this, sir, from, you know, beginning, middle, end, and let's point out all the stuff we really dig, stuff we didn't dig, all that stuff. And, uh, you know, of course, we'll get to Duncan, because Duncan, I'm going to flat out say right now, my favorite part of this whole entire movie. <laughs> He's so great. Um, Duncan is, you know, he is Casey Jones with no hair. He is amazing. He has, dude, you know why he has the best dialogue of the film? Do you know why? What's that? He ad-libbed all of his lines. Did he really? Yes. Nice. That's why he has the best dialogue in the film, dude. <laughs> so good. And that scene in the party where he lays his head on uh, <laughs> Leah Thompson's shoulder and that laugh she does, that yeah. wasn't in the script. He did yep. that just in that. Yeah, I love it. All right. I'm going to say this. This beginning, this intro here, which this song, as you know, I played this in the Underground Hour, named that tune. This whole intro 
is in my top five greatest beginnings of a movie ever. Yeah, it's great. It really is. I had totally forgotten about this. I, as a drummer, I adore this scene. I mean, it's not very hard to play. It's a simple two kick pedal. You know, I could easily, I did this song. It's one of the first songs I learned how to play, but it's just the, it's done so well. The camera work, just telling the story of Eric Stoltz working and her drumming and Leah Thompson with, uh, you know, just kissing Hardy and stuff like that. This whole intro is amazing. I love it. Like I said, in my top five greatest beginnings of a movie ever. I love nice. it, dude. So what? You go ahead, dude. Speak on this intro here, sir. No, yeah, no, I agree with you, man. It's cool. It's uh, yeah, I I, I love just the way they set it up. You know, they like you say, hey, with the music going in the background, which is great, just kind of giving you a quick intro to each character. You just get the generality of them. Like, oh, okay, she's with this guy. Oh, okay, you know, and and you know, it makes you it. it what it really does is you're like, well, who's this chick on the drums? Yeah. Like, you know, this is cool. It, yeah, I like it. I'm with you. Now, um, and then, of course, uh, Keith, you know, he's, he comes home, and the first character we see is Candace Cameron. <laughs> yeah, I forgot she was in it. <laughs> Little play with Garbage Pail Kids stickers, man. That was cool. That's a, You talk about an intro. I love that. Like, oh, Garbage Pail Kids. Oh, <laughs> hey, that's Candace Cameron. Yeah. So let's talk about uh, Keith's sister. Uh, the oldest one. The oldest one. Yeah. Yeah. What do you? What's your thoughts on the oldest sister, sir? I um, mean, she plays a big part. I mean, she's the bratty, snot-nosed sister who eventually turns to her brother's rescue and says, "Look, I know we've had our differences. I love you, and this is for real. You're you're gonna get into some serious trouble." Yeah. I think uh, character-wise, I really dig. I, I think she's very annoying, and I can't stand her. But by the end of the film, I really dig her. Well, that's what she's supposed to be. She's she's his little sister, who is just close enough in age, you know, that she's kind of in the same crowd as him, which is annoying, you know. And so she plays it great. Yeah, I, I liked her. I like that actress in the few things I've seen her in, like PCU and stuff. Um, I, yeah, she played it great as the you know the annoying sister yeah good times uh then we uh you know when we go to school uh i like the high school of course it's the typical american public high school of the john Hughes films let me just say something (laughs) because as i'm watching this you know my wife and i are watching it and i go as soon as they show the exterior of the high school and all that you know this is you know set out in california i'm like man you know what i just I've always wanted to go. This is gonna sound dumb. I've always just wanted to go to one of these high schools out in California when I was a kid. Every time I saw one of these movies, right? She goes, "Yeah, you've said that before." It's like, well, you watched just one of the guys or summer school or there's so many of these movies where there's like an outdoor campus or anything, right? Like, man, it just looks so cool. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah, good times, man. Um, yeah, I I don't know, man. It feels like he uses the same high school, but he doesn't. But they're just so. They're so American, you know. Right. I, I mean, it's just like he knows how to pick them, man. When he's like, "This is the high school I have in mind. Let's use it. Good times." I gotta say, there's only one scene that uh, Watts does that annoys me, and I think it's just the way she do- does her line delivery. Is you know they're in the car together, you know they get out and you know he smiles at her with his sunglasses and they're walking, and she's just like. Aren't, I'm so glad that we're – aren't we perfect that we're friends? And the way she just rolls her eyes and walks, oh, dude. It reminds me of the Emma Stone. Oh, burn. It's the, <laughs> oh, wicked burn. Yeah. It's the only time where I like – I don't like her performance. I mean it's just a simple like 
a half a second, dude. But it's just the way she's just like she seems way over the top. Like her character is not over the top, but it's the one time in the movie where I'm just like, okay, what's up? It feels like she's a gir- being a girly girl, and it's out of character. I guess is my issue with it. All right, let's talk about the performance of her sweet gloves. Oh yeah, those gloves are awesome. Yeah, dude, they gloves got... with like ten inch fringe hanging off off the hands. I love it. Good times, man. I dig <laughs> those it. Those are great. Yeah, those are amazing. I She's just got great fashion in this movie, man. That's I dig I dig her. That's kind of girl that that I always looked for was was Watts in this movie basically. Yeah. You know, uh she for she's got short hair, you know, oh. and she pulls it off, you know, as you know, there's some women that I'm just like, okay, you can't pull it off, but she pulls off the short hair. I definitely love her when she has longer hair in other movies I've seen in, but yeah, she, I'm a short hair guy. Yeah, and she she looks good, man, with the short hair. Looks good. Uh, overall, man, she's just, she's awesome, man. She's definitely confident herself. She, uh, man, let's talk about the bullies, man. I mean, just flat out. She's just like, she's got more balls than Keith will ever have, man. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, we, then we get it, Duncan, man. Duncan and his boys. Duncan is, man, my favorite character of this whole film. Let's talk about Duncan, sir. All right. Um, man. Here's the thing. I think this movie is really the bromance of Keith and Duncan, really. <laughs> I mean, there's more like it feels like there's more character development with those two guys than there is with anybody else, you know? Yeah, it kind of is. I mean, it's like, okay, they don't like each other. And it's it's one of those things where you go to a new school and you just run into somebody and they don't like you. There's no reason behind it. They just don't like you. There's, there's no legitimate reason. That's the that's Duncan and Keith. And then eventually, as the story goes on, gets into tension. And you know what I love? His over-the-top smiling, where he smiles <laughs> and, and, and squints his eyes. Yeah. Oh, man, I love it, dude. That's yeah, like... He kind of, well, in, in this movie, he kind of has a De Niro and Taxi Driver look to him. You know, that that's shaped it. head. Yeah. And just that that look, the squinty eyes and the big smile. It's like, oh, that's creepy. Yeah. That's, you know, you're like, look at this skinhead. This guy is trouble. Yeah. And then he's got his, his little boys, man, who uh, evidently they're obviously not thugs. They were real football players from around different schools that were yeah. just, you know, dressing up and stuff. But um, Duncan, though, he's good times, man. He really, really is. Yep. Um, and then. Uh, you know, we get to, you know, we have Keith who thinks that Amanda Jones is going to detention and right. I, I know we're kind of skipping around a little bit, but it, we're talking about Duncan here and he finds out he's going to be in detention with these guys. And it's like, oh my gosh, I am in detention with, you know, with the crazy guys. And then Duncan, he's all carving on a desk and Keith is, he's an artist. Uh, he does amazing pictures. I mean, obviously I'm sure, you know, Eric Stoltz really doesn't draw like that, but that one picture that he does gets him the respect from Duncan. Who knew? He's an art aficionado. You never knew. I mean, he's he looks at him. I think here's the thing. What made this happen? He, you know, Duncan shows him the picture that he drew on the desk. He shows it to, to Keith first. It wasn't Keith first. You know, it was Duncan first. And because Keith acknowledged it as good work and then he showed his it was like it was a mutual like respect for each other at that point in time. You know what I mean? Right, right. And, and then when he finds out, dude, you're going out with Amanda Jones. You know, when one of us piece of crap people get to go out with the above people, man, that's awesome. You know, and, and that's kind of where their relationship blossomed, dude. You know, mm-hmm. very nice. And uh, 
I think we'll talk about the party scene at, at obviously last year because I mean that scene is just yeah, yeah. amazing. But uh, Duncan though, he is a great character, good times. Now, let's talk about uh, you know uh, you know Amanda Jones. She basically gets introduced to you clearly know she's the popular girl. She's a cheerleader. You know she's uh you know she's pretty and he, her best friend dude, dude. I do not like her, man. <laughs> You're not supposed to. Oh, they're all supposed to be just vapid, <sighs> annoying valley girls. All right, what's the... I'm trying to think here, man. Is it the actress or is it the character that's terrible? <laughs> I don't know. For me, it's the for me, it's the character. <laughs> okay, so the motivation here with uh, with Keith is just that I can totally get this girl. I mean. I guess this is every high school – this is every boy's dream, right? When he goes to high school that you see the, the most popular girl in school and you think to yourself, hey, I could get her. But Keith's the only one that's like, yeah, I can get her and I'm going to do it, you know? Right, right. I mean it, that that's kind of cool. And the fact of that the whole time there's this uh, chemistry between him and Watts about feelings and have you ever kissed and – all this and that, you know, you clearly know the relationship you're supposed to be focusing on. You know, it's like the Man of Jones one is just kind of like pulling pulling a blanket over the real story, if you will, you know? Yeah, I mean, really, because Watts is obviously flirting with him throughout the movie. It doesn't know how to, you know, she doesn't know how to handle it. And, and she's getting frustrated because Keith has blinders on to her, basically. Exactly. Because he looks at her basically as like his buddy. Right. You know, I mean, and so it's like, no, you're not a chick. You're you're my buddy. Right. I mean, he goes to her room and lays on her bed after she gets done, you know, doing the drums and stuff. Yep. So, all right. So what's the deal with, with Hardy here? I mean, he clearly, I mean, is it because Keith looks at Amanda Jones and he's like, okay, you looked at my woman, so now I have it out for you. Is that what this Pretty guy's much, motivation yeah, that's, is? That's kind of what I got, yeah. Okay. So he has a target on Keith the whole movie. It seems like it's kind of like Johnny's mission, I guess. Mm. It's like his whole focus is on, you know, I guess I should change it to Terry Silver. His whole entire mission is this one kid. He wants to destroy this kid, you know, do whatever it takes to destroy this kid. All because he looked at his woman, you know. That's pretty much it. You know, he's insecure and, and you know, he's just, you know, you're looking at my girl for, you know, and that's it. And because Keith doesn't immediately back down, you know, and doesn't just disappear on him. You know, like he says, I'm not going to run away. Right. You know, that only fuels the fire. Now, Keith has a lot of money saved up because, you know, working this job, uh, you know, being a mechanic, his father wants him to go to college because he'd be what? The first, uh, the, the first Nelson in the family to go to college, right? Yeah. Isn't that the... And he's obsessed with getting him into a good college. Yeah, because essentially he want you know he didn't do it you know, nope. and Keith's all about dude. Let's ignore him as much as possible. You know, he's like, did you fill out those applications? You know, they're not gonna write themselves. You know, and I just I love his his blinders because whenever he talks to Keith, it's all about college. You know, yep. like when Keith first walks in the door, you know, and he's talking to him, he's like, you'll be the first one not to have to get their hands wash their hands after work, and then he just pulls up his hands. You know. Um, I really dig these two, you know, they don't have a lot of scenes together, especially the table scene, you know, when he finds out he's going out with Amanda Jones and he's all smiling and he's just looking at him like, 
how much crack are you smoking? <laughs> you know? Um, so the mom, we don't really get a whole lot of her in this movie. No. Which is kind of weird in a Hughes film. Usually the parents kind of have, you know, kind of have a big role, uh, if you will. Uh, outside the Breakfast Club, obviously, there wasn't any big parents. But it was kind of surprising that we only had really a dad to focus on in this movie. That was kind of an interesting twist, don't you think? Yeah, but I'm okay with it. Yeah. I mean, he's a bit, obviously an amazing actor, and you love his character, so it's awesome. All right. Well, I mean, let's get into it. So he goes after he goes after Amanda Jones. He's got... He's got uh, Hardy coming after him. And uh, where are we at? Let's see. So he goes he goes to Watts' house to explain this. And Watts is kind of giving him the kind of advice. Exactly. You know, not giving him. It doesn't, you know, obviously she doesn't really want him to get her. So she's kind of, uh, it's not going to work. You know, I love the one scene where he goes in and he's like, he wants to fight me. I'm gonna stand up to him. She's like, oh, yeah, swallowing blood's a lot, e- lot easier than you know, or hiding is a lot easier than swallowing blood. Exactly and right. He's like, no, you don't mean that. You know, you, he could tell immediately. Like, wait a minute, this is the exact opposite of you. You're the one who says stand up for yourself. You know, you're out there. Who cares what people think of you? And now you're like, oh, just hide for the rest of the year from him. You know, and it's so, it's frustrating because it's like it's so obvious, dude. What are dude, you doing, dude? I love uh, Watts's boy toy. Uh, because the boy toy, you know, the blonde. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's in the movie I gave you yesterday, sir. Is he? Satisfaction, yeah. Nice. So here's the deal. Uh, Jameson's wife loves this movie called Satisfaction. We were talking about Justine yep. Bateman over at CCP. Uh, I like, you know, I should have technically added it to this series, but this that's one movie it's impossible to find, so there, that's why I didn't add it. So in Satisfaction... You know, we have Julia Roberts, one of her first movies, Justine Bateman, and it's essentially he's the only guy in the band that goes to play where Liam Neeson is running. Dude, I I can't wait for you to watch that movie, dude. You're gonna watch it, right? I got I gotta hear your thoughts. But this boy toy is in satisfaction. He plays the the keyboard the keyboard player. And he's got a really big role in there. He's very likable, he's very cool. And this one, he's kind of annoying, he's kind of a throwaway character. But I just thought that was kind of cool, kind of throwing it back to CCP and the movie I gave you yesterday, Satisfaction, you know. Cool. I, I, But what I like, though, is her trying to get Keith jealous is yeah, what, is what I like. Wants. Right. And it's like it, it's kind of like too little too late almost, you know. It's kind of how it kind of works out. You know, she's well, like and it's kind of how, you know, she's doing that. And meanwhile, Amanda Jones is trying to use Keith to get Hardy jealous. Yeah, let's talk about that. OK, so here's the deal. Um, the whole reason why they go out is, you know, he is Keith really wants to go out with Amanda Jones and he, he sees that she's getting into a fight with, uh, Hardy and she sees him as like the way to piss him off. He's like, would you like to go on on a date? And she just says yes, just to piss him off. Yeah. Right place, right time. Exactly. And her best friend who's real annoying, but she's actually cool at the party tells her hey you're messing with the dude's feelings here are you you know do you like him or not you know you got to break up with him you know and and she's kind of feeling a soft spot for him so he's really thinking her intentions are real and then as the story progresses you really find out hey i think i was being used really right you know so so that's kind of how this whole how they got together you know right place right time you know, and then Watts is just like, I can't believe you pulled that off, man. 
it was kind of a shock to her almost that he was able to. Right, because I'm off. sure she figured, you know, I'm not going to help him get her, but he'll screw it up on his own. He's, you know, he's a nobody really. Exactly. You know, there's no way this is going to happen, you know, and then it does. And she's like, oh, no. All right. Oh, this is actually going to happen. So let's talk about the painting that he actually does of Amanda Jones. So he's working on this from the beginning, you know, when he liked her. But then when he finds out that it's kind of a game, if you will, right. why does he complete it? Because it's all part of it. He's almost like setting her up, you know, after his sister hears what's going on, kind of warns him that, you know, they're setting you up. You're going to get a pounding. Um, you know, they're, they're all goofing on you. You know, and so he I think he, he finishes it because, look, I'm going through with this. I don't having only watched this the one time. I don't know if when he decides he's going to go through with it, if he's is he trying to set her up then or is he hoping to still he's hoping to still make it work. Right. All right. It's hard. I, this it's hard is for me to tell. This is the only thing in the movie that. As many times as I watch this, I've seen this at least six times. It's the one thing in the movie that is very gray. It's not black or white. Where I'm because it kind of just jumps right into it from there. Yeah, it's it's kind of like this. Okay, he really likes Amanda Jones. Then he gets to go on a date with her. He's very excited. He can't believe he pulled it off. Then he has his best friend say, "Look, the guys are you know her ex wants to just beat you up." And then he starts to realize, okay, maybe she's telling the truth. Then he finds out that, okay, it's true. They're going to beat me up at this party, and she's just using me. So at this point in the movie, this is where he has the fight with his dad. You know, he buys her the earrings, which really are the earrings that Watts wants. I've kind of been like, okay, what is... I don't get his motivation because he spends all this money on these earrings, right? And he goes... When he picks Amanda Jones up for the date, it, it seems very obvious that she is not into it from Jump Street. Right. In the doorway of, of her house. You know, and they get into a little argument pretty early on. You know, they go to the restaurant. Break she's, his heart, I break your face. I love that it, line. This much you know, time. she's, I love, get your skag and let's go. <laughs> um, but, you know, they, they that uh, that's great, though. They, they got Watts driving them around. At least she's in the movie that, during that part. But, um you know, they go to the dinner and they're kind of bickering about it, you know, and you can, I mean, he has to know that she is not into this date at all. Right. Right. But yet I, he I still you. gives her the earrings, you know, at the end, he still gives her the earrings as though like, I'm still into this. And then the look on his face, when she basically has to break it to him, like I need some time alone. Watts is your girl. And he's like, what? It's like, well, wait a minute. This doesn't seem like you had this planned at this, you know, it, it, like you were surprised that she's going to turn on you. Well, here. All right. Here's what I here's what I think, because obviously this all goes down when they're they're done eating and they're sitting down at that uh, at that stage. Yeah. And it's confession time. It's like, aren't you using me? You know, and then excuse me. You were using me. You know, aren't you? You know, you're. I'm the pretty, you know, I'm the popular girl. Aren't you using me? He's like, well, yeah, of course. You know, you're using me as much as I'm using you. So the the earrings thing, though, man, that's the thing that just, that's what changes the motivation piece for me where I'm just like, I don't get it. Yeah. You know, it's like, in a way I do, though, that's what's really frustrating is trying to, when I watch it, I'm like, okay, he's just trying to give it to her to say, okay, you really are pretty and you are you are better than Hardy. 
And I think he gives her the earrings to prove to her that, you know, you need to believe in yourself as much as I believe in you. But clearly, you're not into this as much as I thought we would be. So, but I still want you to keep the earrings as a reminder that you, you deserve to, you deserve better. That's what I'm thinking the motivation is behind I actually guess. giving her that's, the earrings. That just seems weak to me. I know, that's man. That's kind of where we talked about the, it, the script kind of just, that's where it lacks for me. You know, is in is in this part it just kind of, uh, I don't know. There's something lacking in it for me. Yeah, I, I mean, I love the montage, the Amanda Jones, you know, Rolling Stone montage, and he's in the shower. I love that montage. It's great. They're getting ready. Um, it's just, yeah, it's the actual full blown motivation behind, you know, the earrings and giving it to her. <sighs> yeah, that's all right. Good. Let's. Let's talk about a party. Yeah. This party scene is great because they both after, you know, after the earring talk decided, do you still want to do this? And it's basically they're both in it together now to stand up for one for not not only each other, but for themselves, you know, to him to prove I'm not going to back down to your doucheness and, and her to say, I'm not going to let you bully me because look at him in the beginning. Don't you ever look at my property? You know, I, yeah. I, 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 what does he say? What's his line where he says it, where he's changing his oil. He goes, I recommend you keep your eyes and your mind off my property. Isn't Something that like the that. line? Yeah. yeah. And she does not want to be owned by anybody. So that's why she goes to the party. So I dig the fact that they both go to the party knowing at this point in the game, they're not going to be together, but they're, they're teammates. That's why they're holding hands. It's kind of like, okay, let's do this. And you know, Hardy plays it cool, like, hey, what's up? How's it going? And then he's just like, all right, let's let's get it on, you know? Dude, let's talk about this party, man. I mean, this this is one of the best party scenes I've ever seen, dude. I mean, <laughs> yeah, hands down. Uh, I mean, obviously, Duncan is the reason behind this being awesome, but right before he comes in, man, let's talk about that tension scene, man. Go ahead. You Go ahead. Lead it up. Uh, all right. So we have him basically say... You know, Hardy's basically confessing that I'm here to, you know, I'm going to whoop you. And yep. what does Keith do? He's the, he takes the first hit, man. He doesn't back down. He's like, you know what? You want some of me? Let's do it. He goes, you know what? You're just, you're nothing. Let's do it. You know? And of course the guys, you know, take him in the back and kick the crap out of him. He goes, why don't you do it? Why don't you say, like, cause I'm, you know, this is my party, which proves how much of a douche this guy is because <laughs> he doesn't even have the balls to stand up to kick the guy's ass that he right. wants to kick, you know? So that tells you that this is a weak, pathetic man. That's, yeah. that's what this party tells you, you know? And I love it, man. It's great. He's never had to work for anything, not even his own fights. Exactly. And who comes to the rescue but Duncan? And, oh, dude, Duncan, man, he comes in. And as you say, I love what you said about the uh, – Robert De Niro, Robert De Niro look. And he's just like, oh, man, what does he say? He comes in. He goes, is this a hen house? Dude, what does he say? He says, this is a hen house because all I see is chicken blank. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Just the way he says it is so great. And he goes, all right, hold on. Let me let me pull up his lines here. Yeah, I love my my it, favorite quote of his. It must be a hen house because all I see is chicken. She. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. 
course, I'm not going to actually finish what he actually says. I love, what, I love what he's telling Keith what he's going to do. I'm here to kick your ass, and you know it, and everybody else here knows it, and above all, you deserve it. In fact, I think it's safe to say that this party is about to become a historical fact. <laughs> I love he says, we're going to bring this party up to a nice, respectable level. Don't worry. <laughs> we're not going to hurt anyone. We're not even going to touch them. We're just going to make them cry a little just by looking at them. not even going to touch them. And what I love is is that hand is the the five where he grabs his hand and puts it together the bromance baby i love that and then he just he puts his head his little head on her shoulder just like oh i'm just gonna watch you you know <laughs> i love it dude because you know that he is gonna mess up that party right. so bad man and they they come out of the party and they're just like wow you know especially amanda Amanda's more shocked at her actions of like i can't believe i just did that because what does she do? She slaps Hardy because Keith's like, you're not worth it. You know, Duncan's basically put Hardy in a position to where Keith can basically whoop him if he wanted to. And and he can't do nothing about it. But what does he do? He's like, you're not even worth it. And he walks away. And she's like, I wish I could live with that. Slaps him in the face, man. That's got to be one of the best slaps I've ever seen, dude. He gets a double slap. Yeah, that's right. Slap, slap. Did you see? And the best part is when his jaw drops and then you see Keith and Duncan like, <gasps> and then they look at each other. Oh, man, I love it. It's priceless, dude. That party scene, man, that's like on a scale of one to ten, it's a nine for me, man. That's how much I love that party scene. That's, that, that's my favorite scene of the film, dude. All right. My The best scene is the fight between Keith and his dad. That's by far the best writing, acting, the whole thing. But the funnest, the favorite scene for me is the party scene. That, I agree. That's for me. So um, so basically we have Watts who's basically been crying this whole time, you know, kind of realizing, okay, maybe Keith really does care for Amanda Jones. And, you know, she takes off and, you know, she takes uh, – we have Amanda Jones taking off the earrings and just saying, I think these belong to somebody else. And he's just like – I don't think it was like, oh, yeah, you're right. It was kind of like – you help me see who I really love because we got to talk about the kiss. You know, have yeah. you ever kissed a girl? He's like, well, what are you going to do? You know, pretend I'm Amanda Jones and I love her little, you know, pretend I'm her. You know, I love that. And pretend, what did she say? Pretend I'm a girl. Pretend I'm a girl. Pretend yeah. I'm her. And then they have that passionate kiss and then the music comes in, the good old 80s music. And dude, I, that's a really good kiss, man. I got to say. Because most of these 80 kisses are kind of, you know, kind of over the top. But that was a real good one, man, I got to say. That was two two thumbs up for me, sir. <laughs> All right. <laughs> but, I mean, that's kind of the, uh, I mean, that that's really what brings Watts' um, girly factor out is like that kiss. It's like she, at that point, she really knows she really loves Keith, I guess you could say. That's kind of her turning point. Yeah, I mean, and that kind of brings like one of my favorite scenes is, the scene where she pretty much lays it out to him, where she's like, look, you know, I'd rather not have you than to see, you know, I don't, I don't, you, you're all, you're everything in my life. You know, my drums. Right. What did she say? My drums and you, right? Yeah. She says that, uh, all I have in this world are my, uh, my, my drums are me, my drums and you. Yeah. She's like, I can't afford to have you hate me. You know, so she's basically telling him, like, look, you have to leave me because I'm going to hate you and you're going to hate me at some point because she knows there's this tension and she knows that she can't live without him. Right. And he doesn't realize it. And I love that scene where she's just explaining to him, like, look, dummy, <laughs> like, 
you don't realize how much you mean to me. And I'm starting to realize that I don't mean as much to you as as you do to me. Exactly. And I can't live like that. Exactly. You know, and that that, that was I love that scene. That is a great scene, you know. Where she's she's just telling him, and I, look, I've lived, I've had that scene in my life, you know, where you know the, <laughs> the dumb guy who's way behind on how things work, and it's like, look, dude, like you've been doing this, and like you're not into it as much as I am. What are you doing? You know, and it's like, oh, I, don't, I guess I'm, you know, I didn't realize. Right. I mean, that's no doubt the second best scene in the movie. I mean, no doubt about it. So well, I mean, yeah, I you... just, I love it. I, you know, and, and I. Watts is my character in this movie. I love Watts. She's, you know, I like I like tomboy girls, and and uh, she's great in this. I love the emotion that she brings to it, you know. And she, you can see she tries to play it like super cool, stone faced. Yeah. Nothing gets to me. Yeah. But through it all, you can see it building in her, just behind her eyes. Oh yeah. I mean, on a scale of one to ten, Watts is a ten, no doubt about it. I mean, she's definitely. I mean, if Duncan wasn't in his film, Watts would be my favorite character. It's just Duncan is just so. So much fun, you know. Oh, yeah. He's fun, yeah. Yeah, but I I agree with you, sir. I mean, she is she's the heart and soul of this movie. Yeah. I mean, really. I mean, some kind of wonderful. Let's. I mean, look at the title. Some kind of wonderful. It's kind of an awkward title. It's not really, uh, you know, your typical hey Batman Begins or you know, yeah. it, <laughs> you know what I mean. It's just it's got a nice twist to it, and it's just telling you hey. The wonderful thing is like, huh, who would have knew that my best friend would be the person that I love? Yeah, the wonderful isn't always the thing you think it is. Exactly. You know, sometimes you got to remove the blinders to really see what's in front of you. You know, basically, your love has been in front of you this whole time and you never knew it. You know, you've been looking over her shoulder. But the cool thing is, though, is that, you know, an excellent relationship is based on friendship first. You know, a lot of people do in reverse. They do the lust first and then the friendship. You know, if if you're building off the friendship, that's the thing that's going to cement you guys. So these two together with that with that long friendship is really going to make their love. You know, if you're if you're looking at a sequel here, these two are clearly still together, still in love, have a couple kids all as well, you know. Yeah. So um, I would say, sir, uh, you know, as far as like, I think the thing that we don't like in this movie is the exact same thing. That gray area of the motivation behind the the earrings. I, I mean, that's really it, right? Is the, the motivation of giving her the earrings when he clearly knows that she doesn't have the same feelings towards him, right? Yeah, basically. You know, it's just, it's not very clear, you know, and John Hughes usually... And his movies is just like straightforward and, you know, in regards to what my favorite is, it's The Breakfast Club. You know, I use my wife actually when we first met, she used to think that The Breakfast Club was my favorite movie of all time because when we were together, I would always recite The Breakfast Club. It's just the first half of the movie. I have I've seen it like over like 50, <laughs> 50 times. So I literally know from. From 0.0 to like 47 minutes in, I can recite every single line in the movie, you know. And I don't know. I just I love that movie. And when I rewatched it the other day, I was like, wow, this movie. And then, you know, your boy, Sean, he's like, yeah, I've never been a fan of that movie, you know. (laughs) But for me, it's The Breakfast Club because it's the movie that is the most deep, I guess. You know, Ferris is super fun. 
And I mean, this movie was really made based on the Pretty in Pink ending. A lot of people hated the ending of Pretty in Pink. So they made this movie to kind of make up for the the fact that Ducky doesn't end up, you know, um, in the end of that movie. So, but I think the Breakfast Club is like the deepest, sir. So this is probably going to be a long time since we do another John Hughes film, sir. So do you have like a ranking, sir, of like what's your favorite, you know, what's your number one? I mean, I know you said it's interchangeable, but I mean, if you really had to have a list, sir, could you really, you know, have like a top three at this point? Um, yeah, it it really is with his movies, probably more than any directors are really dependent on my mood but um i mean it kind of what you're look you know what are you looking for like plane scenes and automobiles is probably my favorite okay fair that enough. is one of my favorite movies ever um i'm with you on the breakfast club yeah um, plane scenes and automobiles excellent movie that's a five-star film dude oh yeah, no yeah I, I love love that movie my only issue with the breakfast club and this is personal is that i've seen it so many times that uh for a while there, it just it was like it was always on that I kind of got overexposed with it. It was oh. kind of like, yeah, I just I don't want to watch that anytime soon. Yeah, I agree you with know, one you of those. 100%. Yeah, I agree with you all hundred percent. I was wait. That's why my wife's like, wait, the Karate Kid's your favorite movie? You all you ever do is The Breakfast Club. I'm like, that's because it's it's on TV all the time. All the time. I, I can't help but recite the lines, you know, yeah. especially when it's not the edited for TV version. It's like, wow. It's like some of the lines that they say in there is so crazy, you know. Yeah. Uh, and then the punchline, the, the joke that he tells when he's walking. There was no punchline because I was so mad. I was like, what is the punchline? I had to look it up <laughs> on the internet, and he just made it up as he was going. He's like, I never had a punchline to that joke ever. Nice. And then at the end when they're all talking why they got into tension, that was all made up on the fly. Dude, that's awesome, man. I mean, yeah. So, yeah, that that's there's a lot of reasons. I mean, Ferris Bueller's Day Off for me is the funnest John Hughes film, no doubt about it. But I would have to say for me would be probably a Breakfast Club and then uh, I'd probably put Plain Strains and Automobiles number two. Yeah, I mean, I like, you know, Christmas Vacation. I mean, it's hard. I mean, he, he had so many amazing films that he either wrote or directed or both. Yeah. I hear you. So in regards to this movie, I would definitely, I mean, I love some kind of wonderful, my overall score, I think I'm going to go with a solid four on this one based on the fact I, I like all the characters. I think everybody did a good job acting. There wasn't anybody that I, I hated. The story is basic. It's simple. Uh, I am disappointed in the dialogue because Hughes is way better dialogue than in just, he really disappoints me in regards to the dialogue um and just the the gray area i have man where it's not clear and concise of what's the motivation behind the the earrings why does he go along with it i mean i I get the fact that he wants to go on a date just to kind of you know say he did it and you know kind of get her to say you know tell the truth you're really using me but the fact that he gives her the earrings and lets her keep it is just like oh i just don't get it uh which evidently in that list i told you about the top 10 most underrated teen movies and some kind of wonderful was number three the very end of the paragraph is in capital letters about the earrings huh. how stupid keith was for giving her the earrings <laughs> and, and, and i don't understand it nice. uh, but for me sir i i mean i love everything else i give this one a solid four stars sir that that's right. my rating on this one so um yeah for me um i i have issues with the writing and i just have if i didn't know this was john hughes that that 
worked on this, it might actually be a better score. I think this is a movie where my love of John Hughes works against him on this. Ooh. Um, and so for me, it's a three and a half. Okay. And it's a solid score, but out of his movies, this is, I mean, this is probably like my ninth favorite movie that he's done. Fair I enough. mean, it's, it's, it's nowhere near the top for me. It's, it's fine, but it's not a movie that I could see myself really watching a bunch of times. Um, you know, and I don't know, but it was interesting going into it kind of really fresh, you know, yeah. um, kind of giving it a, a, a new look at it. Now, I know in our series, Chick Flick for Guys, probably Pretty in Pink would have worked better in this series. Um, I'm glad we did this, though. OK, good. I was going to ask you if you thought that this fit OK, you know, in this series, because it for me, it's always been when I think of Chick Flicks, I always some kind of wonderful is always in my top five. It just always is. I don't know what it is. I, maybe it was the age I watched it at where I was just like, it's just about loving your best. You know, I don't know, man. It just, for me, it was the perfect chick flick for guy, you know, John Hughes film that I could put in there. Pretty for Pink is just, there's a lot of gross stuff in that movie that yeah. kind, kind of makes it not a chick flick. You know, no, this, I, yeah, it's on one end of it. It very much is when you're just dealing with the Molly Ringwald story. It is a chick flick, but the other stuff, I can see how you're kind of drawn away from it. I think this is great. I think this is great. And it is a, a, a great, you know, chick flick with stuff for guys in it. And uh, kind of, uh, I, I guess, an underappreciated movie, I guess, because it is, like, for me, I hadn't thought about this movie in forever. Wouldn't have planned on watching it anytime soon. Right. So I'm glad we did it because, you know, it is, it's, it's a good movie. Excellent, excellent. It's worth checking out. You know, uh, some of the trivia I had found out was like Molly Ringwald was actually offered the role, yeah. but you know her. But of Watts though, I could have seen her as Amanda Jones. Yeah. But not Watts. Yeah, I hear you, man. I'm glad that did not work out, dude. I really yeah, that would have been bad. And that kind of that was the end of Molly Ringwald working with. John Hughes, yeah. And kind of the end of Molly Ringwald working. Yeah. Well, Eric Stoltz was written as, you know, when they wrote the story and they had Keith, they wrote it with Eric Stoltz in mind. So I think that's why he fits so well into this movie. Because yeah. when you when you have a certain actor that you're writing a movie around and they end up actually doing the role, those are very usually successful. Well, yeah, you're writing for their voice. Yeah. And Leah Thompson, she actually got offered this role uh but because howard the she turned it down but because howard the duck bombed then she went and said okay i'll go ahead and do this movie <laughs> which is kind of funny so now there i do have to do a correction because uh i guess in underground hour we were doing like uh you know our 80s picks or like a playlist or whatever and, and i think tawana brought up about miss amanda jones was it written for this movie and i thought it was but actually no. it was rolling stones and, yeah and that's they, an older yeah. song yeah, so I, I have to correct my mistake there that it was an older song. And I, I see I when I heard Amanda Jones and I was like, dude, I love this version because the one on the CD sucks. It's like this real poppy. Is it the one from the from the beginning? Yeah, the, the Miss Amanda Jones song he plays, a girl singing. It's where she's on the tennis court and she gets yeah. in trouble with the teacher. Right, and it's right. where he's staring at her in the bleachers. That's the same song. <laughs> he's creepily staring at yeah. her from that hill. <laughs> it's the exact same version as the Rolling Stone. And I hate – I'm sorry, people. Forgive me. I hate Rolling Stones. I'm sorry. Wow. I've never been a Rolling Stones fan. I'm sorry. Satisfaction is the only song that I like from the Rolling Stones. I know I'm going to get some hate. I'm cool with it. Add it to the Star Wars hate. It's all good. 
But I do love this Miss Amanda Jones song, and I never knew it was Rolling Stone until like years later. And uh, I was like, man, I love this version so much better than that version that they played when she was in the bleachers. So, but uh, yeah, man, good times. And who would have thought, you know, if if we kind of roll back time, Eric Stoltz being Marty McFly. Right. I mean, dude, I've seen some of the footage. Yeah, it's not good. Man, it's kind of terrible, dude. Yeah. But I highly recommend you check out Mask. Eric Stoltz is top notch. Just it's a great movie. It's very hardcore. When I mean by hardcore, I mean if you don't cry at least four times, you don't have a soul. So it's <laughs> it's it's just it's a very good movie. Share at her best. I've never really been a big Share fan, but she's very good in that movie. My and, guy Sam Elliott's great. Yep, Sam Elliott. You know, my wife always thinks Sam Elliott is Chris Christopherson. She always mixes <laughs> those two together. She's like, is the guy in Roadhouse the guy from Blade? I'm like, no, the guy in Roadhouse is from Mask. She's like, oh, okay. You know, so yeah, I always thought that was funny. So, <laughs> All right, sir, do you think we've covered enough for this movie, sir? You think we can call that a wrap? Yeah, man, I'm interested to see what the nation has to say. All right, so why don't we go ahead and uh, we got some emails, sir. Why don't we hear what the STL Nation has to say? We got a lot of emails, sir. I'm excited. Good. So why don't we start off with somebody I complained about that wrote in this time. Tawana, nah, let's not read hers. Tawana no. Diver City, sir. <laughs> she wrote in, man. I can't believe it, dude. The, the cry for help actually works, sir. It always works. She says, what is up, Masunis and the STL Nation? Some kind of wonderful. It's one of those movies that when I'm flipping through the channels and I see it's on TV, I have to stop what I'm doing and watch it. So needless to say, it's one of my all-time favorite movies. I give it a four out of five. Woohoo! Right? Guess we're not going to make her mad with our rating, sir. <laughs> right. The cast is great. Mary Stewart Masterson is always solid in these underrated roles she plays at close range, better roses, immediate family and fried green tomatoes. Um, I never seen fried green tomatoes. I know Jason was talking about that. Yeah. Better roses. I think I saw that. And I, that's the one with her and Kevin Costner. Okay. I did. Yeah. I did dig her in that one. So, yeah. you know what? I'm going to have to take back what I said. I really do dig uh, Mary Stewart Matherson, but I hate her and chances are. So, so let's do that. Duly noted. So there you go. Uh, so I take back every bad thing I said about her, except she's terrible in that movie. Um, I know, I know, Tawana the Avenger. I heard it before. Moving on. Who could have? Who couldn't relate to poor Watts going through the typical '80s movie predicament where guy pursues unattainable popular girl while quote frumpy best friend waits on him to notice her? Blah blah. Except in this case, uh, at least the popular girl isn't a total biatch. <laughs> no, it's Miss Amanda Jones. Owns, played by Leah Thompson. I was trying to do the song, sir. I'm sorry. I don't have a good singing voice. No, it was terrific. Okay, excellent. My favorite role of her besides Carolyn in the City or Back to the Future. So she evidently digs her is Amanda Jones. So that's cool. So, All right. So I guess you're going to get some love letters, sir, over Movie Mode Jamal. Yeah, good. Yeah, bring it on. <laughs> I love it. Oh, wait. That was, some, that was some other guy. According to the interview in the special features, Eric Stoltz didn't get along too well with the director on this film while shooting. 
uh, which probably explains Keith's undeniably anger at times. Huh. Wow. Interesting. I didn't, I didn't see that. Yeah, I haven't seen him in much of anything since the cameo in Jerry Maguire, but I do enjoy him, too, for the most part. Yeah, the last movie I saw him in was Pulp Fiction, and he shoved a needle in Uma Thurman's chest. <laughs> Where's so, my little black medical book? Yeah. I remember Maddie Corman, the actress that plays Keith's uh, nosy little sister, from a movie she was in with Jennifer Connelly called Seven Minutes in Heaven. It's one, oh, of, yeah. it's one of those great 80s coming-of-age tales. See if you can find it. Good times. Uh, I don't think I've seen that one, sir. So are we going to have to add that to our new series, sir? Uh, only if we can find it. Excellent. I know it's been a while since I've written in, so there are some things I need to cover before wrapping this up. Oh, the new series I'm talking about is classic movies Masoonis has never seen, but more on that later. First off, I've been really enjoying this Chick Flicks for Guys series. Easy A and Mannequin are great movies. I was so happy when you mentioned how great the score is for Mannequin. Woohoo! I have always thought so and have been trying to find it as well. Uh, what you guys didn't discuss was how it was kind of shocking to discover that Estelle Getty wasn't actually nine years old, <laughs> 98 years old, after being so used to seeing her play Sophia for so long. Last thing, a mannequin, James Spader, James Spader, and more James Spader, please. God, I love that man. Next, the Comic-Con news you announced that the sequel to the best film of the year, Man of Steel, will feature Batman. Yeah, I am not too excited about this development. I would much prefer another standalone Superman film, us as well, uh, before they added another DC superhero, which, dude, I do believe you have the same opinion as I do. You would have liked to have another Man of Steel sequel. Yeah, I mean, it is what it is, but I would prefer more Man of Steel. I just want to make sure, when I say I'm speaking for both of us, I was legitimate there. Uh, I was looking forward to the separate Justice League movie, but that's just me, I guess. Okay, one last thing. The 100th episode on The Karate Kid was epic in length and content. So, (laughs) (laughs) So congrats on that, and I look forward to the next 100, so keep up the great work, Masuna. Shout out to the STL Nation. All right, that is it for now. Take care, diversity. So there you go, sir. Excellent. We got her. I know. I am so excited for that, sir. Um, let Don't ever s- leave us, Tawana. Yeah. We, <laughs> we miss hearing from you. All right, we got Lisa the Legend up next, sir. Are you ready? I know her. Yeah, we were just talking to her last time. Hi, y'all. I'm super psyched for you to be talking some kind of wonderful. It must be because I'm emailing you from middle of... Uh, let me see. I'm emailing you from a Provid. Prov, oh Come my on. god! <laughs> Found it out, Mike. Oh my god! Provincial Park. Provincial Park. Provincial Park. I'm not gonna keep this in. I'm gonna sound like an idiot. <laughs> so I must be because I'm emailing you from the middle of a provincial park at the campsite. Did I say that word right, sir? Well done. Excellent. Because, you know, we're not going to tell people how I really sounded it out. (laughs) This is my second favorite John Hughes movie. I can watch this over and over. From the opening music and the drum scene, I was hooked. The premise of this movie made every teenage girl envious to have a uh, a best friend for life you could fall in love with. I dug all the characters in this movie. Of course, Watts was my favorite. Her bold tomboy flair mixed with her deep seating wanted to be a girly girl. She was always great. You got to love the fringe gloves and the cutoff shorts and her yes, actual ma'am. shorts and not booty shorts. Yep, that's true. She actually had shorts and they weren't booty shorts. You always wanted her to succeed since she learned how to grow up watching TV. I love how she got her in a into a club underage and was bagged on Keith for being out late on a school night. 
one of my favorite lines in the whole movie was uh, when she was playing dice with the waiters. Oh, yeah, that's right. The waiters. Yeah, that's good. And the waiters said, what do you have to do to make money? Play big. And what are we doing now? Losing big. <laughs> that was good. I love that. She replies, you mess with the bull, you get the horns. Another line, John, uh, John, whose favorite line. Of course, my favorite line was the last line. My, f- uh, my second favorite was uh, Elias, dude. How you say Kateris. it? Kateris, thank you. Character, man. The thing with STL, I can never say names, man. That's the thing I'm gonna go down in history for. Masunas was great, but he can never say names. It's just a running gag. I know. Really, outside of this, Masunas is eloquent, well spoken. It's it's amazing. I think he just does this to entertain people. It's true. I mean, you did hang out with me. You know that I could actually. I mean, Rizzoli and Isles. That was just a gag I did just to make people yeah. laugh. I mean, that I was rolling off your tongue yesterday while we were talking. Exactly. So uh, he was such a lovable wannabe bad guy with such good heart. His sis Laura, who was always breaking into Keith's room with the butter knife. I love Keith's room. He has a wall-to-wall vinyl collection. That's right. Also, the beginning train scene. John Hughes liked the idea of trains. It was in a few movies. I like Leah Thompson's role in this, but it wasn't her best. I agree with you. She did a good job and was so young. People bagged on Craig Schaefer, but I loved him. He made you hate his sleazy guy, but he was one in fire, but he was in the fire at the time. Uh, It was constantly, he was constantly in stuff. Uh, He made a made-for-TV movie with Ricky Lake that I love. It has it. Uh, he has it on VHS, but I can't find it anywhere on DVD. And it was called Baby Cakes. He was even in Teen Wolf, the TV show. Hmm. Baby Cakes. Does that sound familiar, sir? It does sound familiar. I don't think I've ever seen it, but it sounds familiar. Excellent. Eric Stoltz was great. You couldn't help but love Keith. Keithy. It was cute to see John Ashton play Dad the same time Beverly Hills Cop came out. I like seeing Molly Hangen, who was uh, who had been in a little bit of everything. She was even in Herman's Head. Yeah, I'm bringing it back to CCP and Movie Mojo Month. Well done. Great show. Underrated. <laughs> you can't forget Candace Cameron. As a kid, I loved her sitting at the table looking at her Garbage Pail Kids. All their... All, <sighs> Ugh. I loved her sitting at the table looking at Garbage Pail Kids all in their baseball card sleeves. That's right. The, yeah, that was awesome. I, I, I used protect to, them, man. I used to do that all the time, man. Oh, they have that collection now. Also, Scott Coffey, who had cameos in tons, including Ferris Bueller and SAG. Uh, last, the little guest spot was uh, Shania Phillips. So, or China Phillips, sorry. Yeah, China Phillips. Yeah, yep. China Phillips. We can't forget the amazing music that came from this movie. I know you're going to cover it, but I had to mention the March Violets. Miss Amanda Jones and Turn into Turn to the Sky, which is a really good song, Turn to the Sky. Uh, they play that uh, a lot of times in Watts and Keith are together. Uh, I have these on my devices, and I listen to them all the time. Her voice was amazing. This is such a feel-good movie. The girl gets the guy. The secretly poor, popular girl gets over her peer pressure. The bad guy at school gets his own. And a loft, quiet artist guy making unusual friends and coming out on top. This is simply a great story. Stellar music and John Hughes' example of filmmaking at its best. Looking forward to a great review, Lisa the Legend. Nice. You know, I got to say, Lisa pretty much summed it up. It's definitely a very good feel-good movie, as most chick flicks are. But this movie definitely has the uh, – it has the cliches, but it's – you know, you really invested in these characters. Versus a lot of chick flick movies, you're kind of like, eh, they're okay, or I really don't have an, emo- an emotional attachment to that person. But really, in this movie, 
you know, that's kind of what's kind of different about this one. So really John Hughes secretly kind of does his job. You know, he just tried to make, I think he tried to make this as simple as possible, you know, and I think it worked. So I know you, you know, that's kind of, kind of my thoughts there, sir. All right, man, boy, we have two emails from our friend, the time traveling Peter. All right. All right. And he has finally caught up people. Can you believe it? Man, crazy. All right. He wrote in about Man of Steel, sir. Here's what he had to say about Man of Steel. Greetings, Masunis. I wanted to do this one-off email for your bonus review of Man of Steel. I enjoyed all the things you had to say. I really enjoyed the movie, and I kept recommending it to my friends with the caveat that they have to go and watch it as a completely different movie. I know that most wanted to see a Superman movie, and some might have been disappointed seeing Kal-El instead. If anyone remember watching The Adventures of Lois and Clark, the best line ever spoken, by a man, uh, the best line ever spoken by a Man of Steel was Clark Kent is who I am, Superman is what I can do. I love how the stripped down to its bare bones and retold in a similar fashion to Nolan's Dark Knight trilogy. In my opinion, you must accept this as a new take, just like how DC restarted the new 52. It's a reimagining and needs to be treated as such. I hope that in the near future, you can do a regular review show after some more viewings. Well, thank you, sir, for your thoughts on Man of Steel. Um, I'm going to check it out on DVD. I'm not going to review the movie again, but I'm mm. sure like in passing, I might bring it up like, hey, I kind of like this more now or I like this less. I, I'm still stuck on my you know, my thoughts on what I gave it before. Is it going to be my favorite movie of the year? You'll find out when we get towards the end of the year and I do the top 10 list. But it's definitely going to be in my list somewhere. So good cool, times. Cool. Oh, I'm sure it'll make mine. Yeah. And uh, this is his last email, sir. And this is about a bunch of everything. This is kind of where, you know, he's going to kind of, he's got a lot of things he's got to say about prior episodes. And he wants to, um, you know, kind of, you know, kind of talk about that. But before I do that, there is one thing that uh, he wanted to kind of clarify and something I kind of, kind of messed up. Um, He said it's not a nitpick or anything, but um, on an episode of uh, one of the episodes of STL and in living color, I was referring to Asians as Orientals. And and that word is kind of described, you know, it's not really politically correct. And he didn't want me to offend anybody. He didn't offend him or anything, but he just kind of wanted to give me a point out. So I apologize to all my, you know, Asian friends out there. Love you. No disrespect. You know, I probably didn't even realize he even said it. So we love every, you know, all our Asian friends out there. So I got to throw that out there, sir. He kind of pointed it out to me and I thanked him for it because, you know, not everybody does that, you know, just let you know, hey. You kind of said something that, you know, wasn't really cool. So well done. Yeah. So in a lighter note, here's what he had to say. He said, hey, Masunas and Nestel Nation, I'm writing to you. Uh, congrats on reaching your 100th episode way back. I really enjoyed listening to you and Jameson talk about one of my beloved movies, The Karate Kid. I'm glad I didn't have to wait two years, right? <laughs> Uh, I didn't no, think, just four and a half hours. <laughs> uh, it didn't think I didn't think it uh, would even take me. Uh, I don't think it even took me two months to get there. Good it, Lord. It was really. Uh, yeah, dude, he cranked out four or five episodes a day. So, man, what a trooper. I didn't think, uh, you know, I really enjoyed uh, the Billy Zapkin interview. It was so surreal. I was in awe just listening to a good times. I thought it was so cool that he checked out one of your Rocky episodes to see what the show was about. I enjoyed that, uh, you know, that I enjoyed that show so much that it felt like the four and a half hours was more like two hours. 
And now that I'm caught up, I can go back and write in on some of the few movies that you did. Now on to Some Kind of Wonderful. Not my favorite John Hughes, but enjoyable one nevertheless. It's a good story and it has Leah Thompson. She is to me what Elizabeth Shue is to you. Uh, what's funny is that the movie gives us an idea of what the original Marty McFly would have been like uh, on, with his screen mother, Lorraine Baines. Not to take anything away from Eric Stoltz, but I'm glad it didn't work out for him. So I don't have much Amen. much other opinions on this particular movie. I'm just more partial to Hughes' more popular titles. Well, I can't wait for the next title. Take care, guys, and thanks for all your hard work. Time-traveling Peter. Thanks. Sounds like you've been putting in the hard work, Peter. Oh, man, tell me about it. <laughs> I think he skipped like, I don't know, nine episodes. And then I was like, okay, I thought you were listening in order. He's like, well, I did, there's either certain movies I didn't watch that I didn't want to be spoiled on, or they were movies that I hadn't seen in a long time. And I said, well, why wouldn't you listen to ones you haven't seen in a long time so you could get a refresher? And he's like, oh, okay. Well, in that case, you know, I'll go ahead and do it, you know? So, you know, I thought it was kind of cool. Very good. Very good. No, don't say it. <laughs> well, sir, we have one more. Uh, we have one more emailer, and it's a new STL member, sir. Woohoo! So, what happens when we get a new member of the STL Nation? Bonsai! <laughs> Dude, I love it when you do that, man. <laughs> man needs a nickname. I know it's all good. Bonsai, Danielson. So let me pull it up here. It's actually off of iTunes. So let let me go ahead and pull this up. And the reason why, you know, normally I don't use iTunes as an STL, you know, you're a new STL member, but I know who this person is. This is uh, one of our newest members on the uh, Underground Hour, or not Underground Hour, but the STL Nation, um, Andrew Operato. So, which really cool last name, good times. So, he wrote in on iTunes for me, which was just so cool. I, you know, I was like, dude, thank you so much. And he named himself, sir. You know what his nickname is, sir? Tell me the nickname. Well, I told you at the zoo, I know. but I know you can't <laughs> play it. You don't know. But it's uh, Hurricane Andrew, man. Love it. Good times. And, dude, I love the way he spells it, too, man. He's like, uh, he spells it Hurricane as in H-U-R-R-I-K-A-N-E. Good times, man. So here is what he had to say. Uh, Best movie podcast ever. Five stars. Dude, I know, right? Hands down, best movie podcast out there. I'm a big movie podcast junkie, and this is by far my favorite. Mr. Masunas is very funny and entertaining to listen to and makes you want to go watch the movies in question, even if you've already seen it 500 times. Very positive and good natured. And that's what he had to say, sir. Nice. So thank you so much, Andrew, for, number one, iTunes review, because those are so hard to come by. Those are great to get. Man. So, hey, if you listen to, you know, my my main man here, Movie Mojo Monthly, he could use a few of those, sir. Always looking. Yeah, good times. So that is it, sir, for our email, sir. So uh, should we roll into the music spotlight? Let's do it. All right, let's roll into music spotlight. All right, sir. So uh, Music Spotlight, even though uh, we kind of discussed this at the zoo, I think people need Circus for a Cycle, sir. What do you think? 
I concur 100%. Heck yeah. We need some psychos to be in a circus and get rowdy. <laughs> so we're going to play some circus for a cycle for you. You guys need to hear some guitar shredding. And, uh, oh, by the way, when you hear in the background, uh, it's there's two girls that are saying uh, psycho, Coco, Co, and then psycho, here we go. That's what they're saying. So if you're questioning, dude, you don't need to know who sings this. This isn't your first STL rodeo. <laughs> Come on. You've been here before. I say I did it. Rodeo, circus. It, yeah. It's yeah. It great. Yeah. This isn't the first rodeo you've been to. So listen to it. Circus for a psycho. It's amazing. Good times. So, all right, sir. I think that's it for the episode, man. What do you think, sir? Yeah, it was a good time, but sadly, all great things have to come to an end. Well, you know, coming to an end soon is uh, our final film in the Chick Flicks for Guys series, sir. That was an A-plus segue, by the way. You like that? Nice job. I, I know. I'm impressed with myself. <laughs> good times. Uh, yeah, we're going to be doing our last movie, The Legend of Billy Jean. Yeah. The reason we picked that is we both know that we you know, totally enjoy that movie. I'm actually interested, sir. I know you said your wife... I think that's her favorite movie of all time. I'm actually excited to hear what she has to say, sir. I think I know you don't want her on the show, but I, I'm sure she. Wait, wait, wait! Don't say that. She listens. Oh, okay. No, I love her, but she's. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, I'm sure that she's gonna give you a lot of notes, sir. There you go. For you to uh, to listen to, or you know, to read off. So. Right. Right. But uh, yeah, that'll be our next movie. That'll be the the closure to our chick flicks for guys, and then we're gonna start a new series. Now, not everybody knows this unless you're in the STL group. Uh, but why wouldn't you be by the way i know right and get we, in on it yeah it, it's the place to be we're in the stl we're in the stl game we're at like almost 800 posts and uh when you hear this message round two will be starting soon <laughs> and uh me and jameson we talked about it yesterday we're like it's, dude it's about to get real we're like how how should we mix it up man and make it pretty hardcore so we, we got some good ideas for you and uh yeah and do do we have any more stories to talk about from our adventures at the zoo before we end the show? I mean, besides us just hanging out and just you know talking about just everything and anything, I guess. I don't know. I mean, the paper one was really cool, and my kids getting in the paper. Yeah, um, that was cool. I had I just had fun hanging out with your kids. Your kids were cracking me up because your one daughter <laughs> would not acknowledge that I existed. Yeah, why did you <laughs> tell the people about that, sir? <laughs> Here I am when we record, kind of. Peeling back the curtain a little bit, a lot of times, you know, after we're recording, we take a break or what have you, you know, Mike's daughters get on the mic and say hi to me. We have a little chit chat for a minute. It's great because we've met each other once. So I meet at the zoo and I'm like, hey, I'm chatting with the kids and your youngest would not acknowledge that I was even talking. <laughs> I would ask her questions. Hey, what grade are you going into? Oh, they got stuffed animals. Oh, what did you get? What's his name? And <laughs> <laughs> It was just stone face. Like and when she finally acknowledged you, she gave you this stone cold killer look, dude. It was yeah, awesome. Yeah, she did. And then she yelled something about I remember I was trying to get at the name of her the name of her penguin and it's like, You're not gonna eat it. <laughs> You're not gonna eat my penguin. It, it's true, man. It's <laughs> That was fun. But uh your wife though, man, she she dug all the uh the clothes I got you, right? Indeed, yeah, lots of cool stuff. You know what was funny when we were driving because you texted me about that, and of course I was driving, so you know I'm not gonna text and drive because that's illegal. That's but right. I gave the phone to my wife, and I was like, well, "What did Jameson say?" And she read your text, and she goes, "Wow, you know, she got all the way to the bottom of the box already." I'm like, "It's a woman. 
I mean, you're, you you got a box. You're gonna see what's in it. You're gonna tear that thing to pieces, and you're gonna you know you're gonna see what kind of goodies you got, just like you would. She goes, oh yeah, good point. So, <laughs> so I I'm I'm happy to hear that, sir. We got some more coming for you, sir. At least this way I got to save on postage when I got to hang with you. That's and, right. And then we posted the picture in the STL group, and nobody liked it. What's up with that, sir? It's what happens. Well, we had two likes, but I don't know, man. We should. Get... One was me, and one was you. <laughs> oh, sad. Oh man, I'm but, digging the game though, man. There's there's a lot of a uh, lot of a flurry of activity going on in the STL game, and I love it. And uh, our newer our newer members, Time Traveling Peter and Hurricane Andrew, they're tearing it up, man. Those newbies, they got. Whenever I get stuck, they come in, and uh, you know Hurricane Andrew comes in and sweeps the STL game away sometimes, man. <laughs> so uh, good time. So yeah, we're gonna be doing round two, sir. We will announce the winner. It, when you win, you don't win nothing. It's, yeah, you don't. You, you just get the honor of you know you won the game. But uh, hey, we were talking though. What led us into this was if you're not in in the STL Nation, you wouldn't know what's coming next. Exactly. Um, we are going to be doing a new series, which is called Classic Films. Uh, we joked about it uh, when on the last episode about we should. And actually, you said it. The exact title I wrote it down. You're like, we should do a series, classic movies that Masunas has never seen. And I was like, I was like, okay, well, we talked about doing Indiana Jones, so we're gonna do the Indiana Jones series, and we actually talked about this. We're gonna do the whole entire series after the Legend of Billy Jean because I was just suggesting do all three. And you're like, you know what? The suggestions from the fans, you know, you need to be in the group to give your suggestions. Whereas, like, they would like to have an unbiased opinion on the fourth one. Yeah, I don't remember who said that, but there was, uh, it was it was Tawana and um. I know there was a couple of people, maybe Anthony. Yeah. And yeah, I know there was a couple of people that said that. Sorry if we get wrong, but that, uh, yeah, said, like, you know, no, I'd like to see you at least review the fourth somewhere, put your thoughts up about it, because, you know, it is very, very strange for a person not to have seen those first three and be (laughs) experienced to them. So it would be interesting to see what a person with no history with the franchise thinks of the fourth one. And I thought, you know what? That's actually a really good idea. So we're going to do it. We're going to do it all four. Yeah, that'll be uh, the first series we do. Now, this series is going to last about a year. Now, obviously, not going to do classic movies for a whole year. I mean, I'm sorry. I'm not going to watch Schindler's List because I'm going to have nothing fun to say. I mean, it's going to be like me and you like being depressed talking for like 40 minutes. Like Just a lot of sniffles. Yeah. So what we decided to do is is we're going to break this out. We're going to we're going to pick a few movies and we're going to review those as part of the classic movies I've never seen. Obviously there's a list that we'll be adding to and then we're going to do the as we call one-offs, the fun movies, you know, we'll throw the vote out there and say, "Hey, what do we want to do today? License the Drive versus, you know, you know, Lost Boys." I know I did, but as an example, License the Drive versus Lost Boys. Whoever gets the most votes is the movie that, you know, is done. And then eventually it's like, hey, should we go back and do a classic movie? Okay. So some of those classic movies, I mean, you name it, uh, like Casablanca, Gone with the Wind. There's been requests for Scarface and Godfather, which I've had no desire to ever watch, but it's requested, I, so I'll watch it. So. What I'm really excited for is as we discuss other movies and just kind of on here or on CCP or whatever, 
Um, that's kind of how this came about was real natural. Discuss a movie, kind of mention a movie, and you say, ah, I've never seen that. And my mind just goes, what? And so I'm excited because this list can is just organically going to grow. I know it. Yeah. You know, as we discuss things, you're like, oh, this reminds me of this. And you'd be like, oh, yeah, I never saw that. Like, don't put it on the list. That's all. Exactly. So I'm, I'm, I'm hoping if I don't pick it out, I'm hoping that if I, if I let one slide by, if I let one go five hole on me, I hope the nation will pick it up that you said you didn't, you've never seen something or whatever. Put it on the list. And Peter will know more, you know, should know more because he just went through the whole entire no kidding, right? catalog. But yeah, I mean that's that's why I said a year because it's a good time stretch to to put a bunch of movies in there while keeping the same fun classic movies we all yeah, know yeah. and love and stuff. So I think it'll be a fun good times you know series to do and it'll help me uh, catch up with those movies that I just I've always wanted to watch but never had the time to do it and now I'm actually setting time aside to do it, which is part of the reason for the Indiana Jones series. I actually had. Uh, Top Gun Jason, he'd be like, dude, I thought you were joking on STL <laughs> about Indiana Jones. I thought that was a running gag. I'm like, no, I'm serious. That's why. That's the main reason why we did this is to yeah. do Indiana Jones. You know, it's like, dude, your 80s cred has just been flushed down the toilet. <laughs> just comments like that. It was so funny. But I'm looking forward to, it, man. I think it's gonna be good. And let's talk about what we got for CCP. People don't know this, but we're officially oh. announcing it, man. Uh, we. We decided to do top ten theme songs. Yeah, and uh, that includes cartoons. That includes songs that have no words. That's everything. That's every television theme song. Yeah, and our list was originally at sixty, and a lot of fans, a lot of the CCP channel surfers, are pissed at us because we're requiring ten, and it has to be ten, not like a cartoon list and a TV show list. And yeah, a, it's and, hard. I would love to do two lists. Yeah. That episode would be very long. Now it would be, it's okay to have honorable mentions and stuff, but it has to be a top 10. So that includes cartoons, actual theme songs with words and theme songs that have no words, AKA a team Magnum PI Knight yeah. Rider. Those all fit in there. Look, it's not fun, but you got to make the hard choices. Yeah. And that's, what's going to make the list so much fun. So that's going to be the next episode of CCP. We will be recording that soon. So, uh, why don't you get, uh, the email address out for that, Sarah? I know you for remember that. For that <laughs> one, I would email in my list at to CCP. Oh, ccpodcast1 at gmail.com. You almost screwed up, dude. <laughs> and good times. And uh, now, sir, you, uh, if those of those, if, if the fans haven't heard Movie Mojo Monthly yet, you had a little audio issue, right? Uh-huh. Yeah, that was quite an experience this last recording. So Yeah, you kind of cut off, right? And didn't realize, and you're like, oh, man, I don't want to do it again. You yeah, know? it was it was very late. We we recorded, well, the second half, our, our Kick-Ass 2 review, uh, we recorded at 1 o'clock in the morning. And, uh, yeah, we had some audio issues. So I, I beg our listeners to please uh, look past the audio issues and forgive me and uh, hopefully still enjoy the episode. And next one will be better, I promise. Excellent. I'm looking forward to it, sir. Now, if you want to write in the STL, uh, that's stlpodcast at gmail.com or sweepdelaypodcast at yahoo.com, whichever one floats your boat. Um, we're going to be having a new website out soon, stlpodcast.com. It's about 80% done, people. Websites take a long time. And I got kids in school now, both of them. So 
going to be doing a lot of homework at night now, and I'm going to really have no time to work on it. So when it gets Mike, done, Mike it gets done. Mike does his children's homework. Yeah, it's true. I, I got to get him into that upper league college I never made it to. You know, I, I <laughs> Start guess. saving your money. You're going to college. <laughs> Uh, but, you know, definitely want to hear from you on the, uh, you know, Legend of Billy Jean. Uh, it is. It's a very classic movie. Uh, it could be hard to find, but it should be easy to, like, you can find it on YouTube. Most of the time, YouTube puts the movies up, and you can just watch it. You can stream it, probably. It's if you can't a, find it, give me a call. I will just read the script to you as you fall asleep. Yeah. If you have Encore, check Encore on demand. Sometimes it's on there. But uh, The Legend of Billie Jean has an amazing theme song from Pat Benatar, Invincible, Tawana's like, favorite like song ever. So it's going to be a fun review, man. I can't wait. So that's going to be the next episode, and that will close out Chick Flicks for Guys series, sir. So Yeah, it's been it's been a fun one. So uh, I think that's it for rap, sir. Dude, I had an absolute blast hanging out with you yesterday and hanging out with you today, man. It's always a pleasure, sir. So... I can't wait for, uh, you know, next time we get together and talk some Legend of Billy Jean, sir. Yeah, I'm excited. So I think that'll be it. So you guys, listen to some Circus for Psycho. Get Psycho. Go go shred some guitars and throw some stuff out the windows because that's what you're going to do when you hear this song. So it's all good. You just, you just set yourself up for liability. Oh. Okay, wait. <laughs> Let me edit that out. Um, okay, don't throw nothing through the windows, but you know you can you can headbang if you want to. So yeah. there you go. I take no responsibility for any driving fast in your car or any damage you do to hotels or personal property or you know. STL neighbor. will not be bailing you out of jail. Exactly. So so that's it, guys. I hope you enjoyed the episode, and we'll catch you on the next one. So you guys take care. Masunasal. Yeah.
Hold on, dude. I got a I got a phone call. Hold on one second. Yeah, I'm recording. No, I'm not wearing pants. No, pants are for suckers. Man, some people. Dude, that was funny, man. No pants. That was funny. What? Good times. <laughs> I had one earpiece in. I was like, okay, well, cool. You chum.